Don't forget, by the way, to send us in who the special person in your life is and uh, why they're that special person and be with the chance to win. Uh, so text the word love plus your name plus the name of the person that means the world to you and why they mean the world to you and uh, text that straight away to 086 38 Now, I don't know what happened at an event in the Clayton Hotel uh, on Saturday night. I also don't know what happened in Ballyban yesterday. And uh, there was a gang of people fighting on the road outside the gala shop there in Ballyban. And I don't know what happened in Athenoy either. So we're working on those three things. But while we're working on that, Ted Coyle uh, joins me from the Claddagh Credit Union. He's been thrown in at the deep end. Ted, morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? They, they love to throw you in like that. You were, <laughs> out, you were outside from the news and I could have had a cup of tea with you. <laughs> Listen, I, I spoke last week about people calling us because um, most credit unions, including uh, the Claddagh Credit Union, have been sending notes um, and letters to people saying be very careful of uh, a phishing scam alert out there. Have you come across much of this? Yeah, well, we were made aware of it early uh, last week. You know, the Irish League of Credit Unions uh, you know, sent correspondence to say, listen, that there was a scam text in circulation, you know, purporting to be from the credit union, uh, claiming that accounts have been placed on hold and asking the recipients, you know, to, uh, on the text to verify their account or give personal details, you know, but... I suppose what we were trying to do last week, either uh, we were sending out, uh, we had texts and emails to, to members and, and, and broadcasting it on social media. And to be fair, all credit unions were doing the same. Uh, I suppose the main advice really is, you know, we will not send a text asking you to click on the link and especially won't be asking you for personal data. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's really important uh, that you don't click on a link. Um, but it's very easy um because some of these look very authentic. They do, they do. Very uh, authentic. Yes, and listen, um, you know, these days, you know, they can clone websites, they can clone um, phone numbers as well, you know. Um, but I suppose, you know, I know this is very basic, but, you know, when you get a text or an email or anything like that from a financial institution, you know, sometimes people might panic, say, listen, oh, your account's on hold, or, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. maybe such and such, verify this is a amount going out of your yeah, account. Yeah. The, the main thing is to try and stay calm, look at it. Am I expecting a text or an email from this financial institution? Am I actually even a member of the, or a customer of this? Because sometimes uh, you can get it from a from a bank you're not even a customer of. Mm-hmm. You know? So just, if you can at all, stay stay calm, have a look at the text, have a look at the email, say, listen, is this, does this look normal? Um, and if you're in any doubt, the best thing to do is to actually ring the bank. But don't don't ring the number that's on the text message ring the number because it may not be mm. you know the number when you ring it it, it might be going through to you know whatever credit union but you're they're part ver- of they're very elaborate I have to say I mean I got a text recently from a bank that I'm I'm only in one bank um, but it was from permanent TSB mm-hmm. and uh, permanent TSB uh, allegedly sent out this text but I'm not a, I don't have a I don't have a cent in it yes but there was some other very elaborate ones that came in uh, from AIB and others in the past and they looked like them they sound like them. Yes. They feel like them. Yes. But even me at my age, I would be tempted to say, oh God, I better do that now before it goes too far. Yes. So you're saying stop, don't. Stop. You know, read it again. Um, if they're asking, you know, the main one is clicking on the link. You know, the main, when you click on the link, it brings you somewhere that, you know, is not So they're where, in control then. They're in control. Then they, they may, like, you know, last week, you know, they, they may even follow up with a, with a phone call to you, you know. But the main thing to do is... Uh, don't click on the link 
And if you're in any doubt or, you know, come on, you know, don't ring that number. Ring the number that you know is actually yeah. either the bank or the credit union and say, listen, I got a text or I got an email. Is this legit or not? And that person will tell you yes or no. And don't be afraid to bring it up with a friend or with family. Yeah, exactly. You know, even ring ring a neighbour, ring a colleague that maybe is in that area or, or would would be in the know better maybe than if that person than the person themselves. You know, they might think, listen, I could ring, you know, somebody they work in the the bank or whatever, um, and just ask them. Listen, I got this text. Does this look normal? Um, and they may say to you, listen, why don't you ring the bank or why don't you ring the credit union directly and ask them. Mm. Now that's the way to do it, or call into them if you're, well, them, yeah, if you're nearby, yeah. in the locality, say, look, I got this text, is this ye? Yeah. And then what you do is you block that number, whatever that number is, just block it. Yeah, exactly. So they can't upset you again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, are the systems, and I'm not just saying the credit union, but mm-hmm. are the systems robust enough uh, that if you see, if you see something untoward on accounts or otherwise, can you twig it, or is, is that not a fair question? Um... I would say, listen, I suppose in simple terms, it's like anything. If you give somebody your personal data, if you give somebody your username, password or a PIN number, do you know? There's nothing you can do. Well, all you can, like if, if you give all that details, you know, you're effectively, like if, if, I, if I take your bank, if you give me your bank account and you give me your PIN, do you know? I can take money out of it, you know. You could put money in for me if you, you want to. You could put money in either, you know, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, listen, we have, let's, there's, yeah. you know, from a from a credit union perspective, let's, we have various different security measures, um, you know, firewalls, etc. you know, that we have, you know, from a, from a you know, antivirus uh, or from a malicious uh, malware uh, perspective, you know, I mean, stopping uh, these people trying so to get into do- the system. But... So effectively what you're saying to me is the credit unions do their best, but if you hand over ownership of an account to somebody else uh, by giving the details in a text or, or over the phone, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable. Exactly. So exactly. don't give out any passcodes or details over the phone. Keep your, your passwords, your usernames, your PIN numbers. Keep that to yourself. It sounds very basic what we're talking about, uh, Ted Coyle of Cladic uh, Credit Union, but this is what will safeguard them. So we don't mind lecturing to them today or giving, you know, giving this the stark reality. You could be scammed, but if you give the details, you you have to take part of the responsibility yourself. So don't give the details in the first instance. Exactly. Couldn't be much simpler, really. No, no. It, it sounds very simple, but if you if you do that, chances are you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening to us anywhere in the city or the county at this stage, that's it. Don't click on links. Don't click on links from there. All right, listen, thanks very much for popping into us uh, today. Are you busy otherwise? Yeah, no, we're, we're going well. Um, we've got into the area of, uh, you know, electric car loans and, and green energy loans and things like that, and, and that's, that's taken off, so... Electric car loans are fairly yeah. fairly fairly large. They are, yeah, yeah, they're, they're going well for us. But you're, uh, if you're not lending, you're not making... You're not no, yeah, we have to be lending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 those cars are quite expensive. So you're talking about you're talking about a decent. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. We're also uh, you know we're given loans for like solar panels and installations and things like that as well. You know, so they wouldn't you know installations. You could probably insulate your house for a couple of thousand euro and makes a difference over the winter. You know, so your those environmentally friendly ones, there's preferential rates on preferential rates for those it's yeah. for those areas. Yeah.
that area. All right, listen, thanks. Um, Ted Doyle of uh, Claddagh Union, thank you for popping into us uh, today. Please, 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 if somebody texts you, just don't respond. Uh, if they look for your account details, your PIN numbers and or otherwise, please don't respond. All they need is one person in a week to do that and they have their, they have their week's wages done by taking your money out of the account. Uh, thanks, Ted, for joining us uh, today. So three incidents, excuse me, three incidents came to our attention. And uh, there's a gang of people fighting on the road outside Gala in Ballyban at around 6pm yesterday evening. And uh, the road was completely blocked for a time. Does anybody know... Uh, what went on there. Also, as I said here at the top of the programme, again, nothing to do with the wonderful Clayton Hotel and Rory and the team there. They had nothing to do with it. But And neither did the Tumbling Paddies, but the Tumbling Paddies are a wonderful Irish band and they were performing in the Clayton Hotel on Saturday night. And an ap- a row broke out between two people. Now, nobody intervened. And they were rolling around the floor half naked. Uh, but the video's gone viral. I've got it about five or six times already. What's going on there? And you can see a member of the Clayton Hotel staff in the nicest possible way trying to take control of the situation. Uh, I think it was a fundraiser for a club, so we're trying to figure that out. Uh, but again, situation is, is that is that okay to go to an event and start a scrap like that in the middle of the in the middle of the floor and then you put the Clayton staff in danger? It's not right. Full stop. And uh, then the, that incident in Athenry as well, where there was an alleged shooting in Athenry. So that uh, that's another one we're looking at today. Gardaí responded to reports of a firearm being discharged in Athenry County Galway on Friday evening, 10th of Feb. A number of shots were discharged at a house, causing damage to the property. No persons were injured during the incident. And also, I believe there was quite a bad crash in recess yesterday evening. There were some people... Uh, taken by ambulance. So I met the three ambulances actually coming in from recess uh, last night. Um, but uh, I think it happened around 8 o'clock last night, but I met them uh, coming in. There was a car ambulance and two other ambulances coming in the N59. And also, indeed, there was a medivac uh, from Inishman by Rescue 115 in Shannon from Inishman to the hospital yesterday. I'd say the hospital was chock-a-block because there was ambulances screaming everywhere uh, between 8 and 9 last night. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. Galway Tones, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. Well, alone the charity that helps people age at home is today asking after the Attorney General's report titled Nursing Home Charges and Disabled Persons Maintenance Allowance was uh, released in full yesterday evening. But does legal and fiscal prudence break the social contract when it comes to the rights of older people and people who are less powerful? Now that's a very convoluted statement. So to try and unravel that, Gronia Lochran uh, joins me on the line, Senior Policy and Advocacy Officer with the loan, and she joins me on the line. Uh, Gronia, good morning. What do you mean by that statement? Does affordability outweigh an older person's right to entitlements? Good morning. Thank you so much us on. Um, Yes, so we're all aware of the story that has unfolded in recent days and weeks uh, regarding nursing home charges and disabled persons maintenance allowance. And after the Attorney General's report was released, it raised a number of questions for us within alone uh, regarding older persons' rights, their entitlements, and really, I suppose, um, the 
some of the statements within the report uh, that talked about prudence and financial responsibility and the need to maintain that. Um, our concern was really that um, while the legal advice within the report uh, might be sound and appropriate, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that people were treated fairly. Um, what's correct in terms of our legal responsibilities and government's legal responsibilities may not match up uh, with what we would understand as moral responsibilities. Um, as we understand, uh, older people who had to go into private nursing homes um, because there was no space in public nursing homes and were charged full fees for that and in, in, in it apparently wrongfully the that without some kind of redress or without some kind of additional support that's I suppose righting that wrong um, we're wondering why that decision has been made and I suppose the, re the real the only reason we can come back to is uh, the purse strings. It is, but I mean, if you look at Gronia Lockman, what we're uh, Lockman, what we're talking about here, I mean, the situations that people were in the care of the HSE in inverted commas, then they went into nursing homes and they were charged a fee. Um, but the Attorney General came out last week and told Cabinet that they were legally one hundred percent correct to do what they did. But when they got cut out, then they did private deals with those people that challenged them. But not everybody can challenge the government, financially or legally. Well, that's exactly it. And if the state is acting, has acted in a way which isn't reflecting the best interests of individual citizens, then we're, we're I suppose the question is really, um, and especially older people and those less capable of advocating for themselves, that. I suppose it breaks it breaks trust. Um, it is, I think, for for us and for a lot of people who've had this experience, it's, it's very unacceptable and has put people in really difficult financial situations. Um, and th th I suppose there there can't be one rule for some and one rule for for others for people who can afford and people who can't afford. And to us, that's completely incorrect. And how do you? correct something that's totally incorrect because it's going to be on a case-by-case -case basis. There's not going to be an amnesty. The government are not going to come and say, look, it's going to cost us X amount of billions to do this. Uh, a lot of the people that we're talking about that have been, that this has happened to, they've, they've passed away, their estates have been dealt with, their probate has been done. You know, it's, it's. I can't see the government coming out, unless you correct me, uh, Gronje, on this one. I can't see them coming out and saying, apologies, we'll reimburse everybody. Well, unfortunately, we can't. They, it's a, they won't be able to right every wrong because, like you say, some of the people involved will have passed away. Some people have already struggled for a lot of years, and there's no, there's no righting the wrong in some ways. But what we can do, and what we're hoping for government to do, is to address this going forward, to make sure that nothing like this happens again. Um, and we're seeing government has. Um, they have, they've made a commitment to establish a commission on care. That was in the programme for government. 
uh, I suppose this has been waited for now for a number of years and it still hasn't been introduced or implemented. Uh, we think that this would be uh, a mechanism for dealing with this and to prevent things like this happening into the future. Um, and we and our partners in the Alliance of Age Sector NGOs have called for the establishment of an independent commissioner for ageing and older people. That would be an independent voice that would uh, speak up and prevent things like this happening, um, ideally on a government level going forward. In some ways, there is no writing the past wrong. Um, if there, is, if it can be done to prevent it or anything like it going forward and to improve care and support for older people as a result, um, that should really be taken wholeheartedly and uh, as, as I suppose a true measure of um, of, of, of writing an old wrong. Gronia, we could talk about it all day but we're not going to get anywhere with it but all we can do is if there's a conscience out there and families have uh, been struggling for years because of the fees in question that we're talking about um, I really do think that something has to be done for them. I really and truly do. If they're still alive even, or for their families who had to fund it, I think something... Do you think... Would you agree or disagree with me, disagree with me Gronia? No, absolutely. Um, th I, there's redress schemes for a lot of historical wrongs, as we know and have heard a lot about in, in recent years. And we think similar should be done in this case. And we don't see any reason why... It shouldn't be the case that uh, that a similar scheme isn't set up in this instance. Gronia, thanks for joining us uh, today on the programme and uh, the very best to look to you. Gronia Lochran joining us there, Senior Policy and Advocacy Manager uh, with Alone and our thanks to her for joining us uh, today on the uh, programme. Uh, again, the comment lines are open if you want to get through to us 086 38 You can also call directly, you can call and uh, three is today on 0917700077. That's uh, 0917700077 if uh, you want to get in contact with us. We'd like to hear from you. Some of the other comments coming into us uh, today. And um, Keith asked the girl to explain about the charges in nursing homes, medical card holders, fair deal, etc. Um, asked the girl to explain about the charges in nursing homes, medical card holder. Fair deal, etc. Can you come back to us with that query? Because I think we have every answer in the world when it comes to nursing homes, medical yard holder and fair deal as well. Keith, I'm trying to start out a household bill with Electric Island for the last four weeks. I just phoned and I was holding for 10 minutes. Nobody has a clue what they're doing in there. Has anybody else encouraged, um, encountered uh, these problems? Uh, Keith, I was in the Galmont Hotel on Saturday night. The smokers kept opening the emergency exit Um uh, the emergency exit doors resulting in everybody else being cold and the cigarette blowing back inside. Uh, it was reported to management and dealt with from there, uh, but they shouldn't have been allowed to do so. Was that uh, at the Pat Short and uh, Faye Short event? Was that what that was at? Um, the people who did it shouldn't have been doing it. No more than the people in the Clayton shouldn't have been doing what they were doing, but they did it. But it doesn't make it right uh, from there. I was going to go along to that, but unfortunately there was or pressing matters at home to deal with uh, over the last week. So I couldn't get to see Pat and Faye, but I'm going to try and get uh, to them. 
um, somewhere else. Uh, and John Morley just said to me this morning that he was at the wonderful musical event yesterday in Ballinrobe, and he said it was a West End production, a West End production, he said, uh, which we should all go to. And he said he's going to buy me tickets for next Sunday's uh, matinee. He's so kind, is our John, but he's going to buy me some uh, tickets for next Wednesday, next Sunday's matinee. It's okay, John, I'll give you the fiver. It's okay. Pay off fiver a week. Now, then, let me go to Deputy Sean Kenny because Sean Kenny has challenged the Minister for Education to ensure school transport plans for September 2023 are put in place now to avoid last year's mess. Last year's mess, though, is still continuing, Sean, so it is. Absolutely. I still have um, constituents who are trying to sort out in terms of uh, school transport. And that's why I raised it with the Minister of the Dáil during the week that uh, whatever plans she has in her head for next September need to be brought to the fore now so that Bus Airden and everybody else can actually uh, plan for it rather than leaving it until August uh, to start making announcements. Um, she has been doing a review of the school transport system and it's ongoing now for two years. And I think it's high time now that we actually put a system in place that works and that people are not left on the side of the roads when they should be in buses going to school. Okay, but Sean, should and this not be a, should this not be a role rather than Norma Foley? Let her be Minister uh, for Education. But should this not be a role where the NTA are involved? This is all about transport again. We have a national transport authority, and they shouldn't be shirking their responsibility. They should be dealing with this because other, if they deal with it properly, they'll take parents' cars off the road. Yeah, the, if the NTA are, are not the funding agency for the school transport, it's the Department of Education. But let the Department the of Education, Education give. Let the Department of Education give the money, they know what it is on an annual basis, to the NTA. At the end of the day, if the NTA get this right, they'll have a lot of cars off the road and it'll be all good for the environment. Well, with all due respect, it's the Minister for Education who sets the policy in terms of who should be getting tickets and who should not be getting tickets. And I think that's the kernel of the problem. Uh, last year, the Minister made an announcement very late in the day that she was going to give free transport to certain categories of people. Uh, without actually uh, thinking out the full consequences of it. It put more pressure on bus air, and it put more pressure on bus operators. It I don't care who implements it, but the policy is set by the minister. And in this case, the policy was, uh, in fact, there was funding provided in the budget in October for a school transport service that was started in in, in sept end of August and September. So basically, the, the, the who, who runs the system doesn't matter. It's actually what the policy is and what the rules about of engagement are, who is entitled to uh, tickets, who's entitled to concessionary tickets, where should they apply, and all of this was thrown up in the air uh, when at the last minute the Minister announced free travel for certain categories which weren't free before that. People applied for tickets, okay. the volume increased at the last minute. So basically what I'm saying is, if she has any ideas uh, that she's got what she wants to do this year, she should uh, now spell them out so that whoever is running the school, school transport system and I, I had serious um, issues last year from August right up until now in terms of the volume of people who couldn't get bus tickets they were told they couldn't get them they'd paid for them they got their money back then they were told they were entitled to them and they were still left on the side of the road the result right now and you're, you're, you're correct when you talk about taking cars off the road 
there are buses going which are not full and yet you have cars driving after them with school children and parents bringing yeah. them to school because they're not entitled they're not entitled and in inverted commas entitled uh, to a, a, a bus ticket and parents are prepared to pay for it but they're not getting the service and yeah. if we are real about climate action if we're real about all of this we need to get that right but it's not a question of changing the deck chairs uh, on on the, uh, on the on the ship here it's actually for the minister to set out clearly what her policy is what she wants to implement and put the funding in place now and let bus airing are, are doing it for years but last year they were they were a tsunami came at them at the last minute and they just couldn't uh, deal with it in, in in a practical way and it left their school inspectors uh, bearing the brunt of it on the ground and it left the bus drivers um, bearing the pressure where they could see a child that they've been carrying for the last four or five years to school standing on the side of the road and maybe he was picking up the neighbours and couldn't pick up this this child. This kind of mayhem that happened last year was was totally unacceptable okay. and shouldn't happen again. You don't, better planning. Yeah, better and forward planning. planning. Wow, that's what we need across the board, never mind in Absolute, school transport. Absolutely. But, I mean, so you're, that's you're, why I, ra- yeah, I raised but, it with the minister on, on the basis. Yeah, yeah, but that's that now is the time to do it. Okay, but your, your colleague indeed, um, Kieran Callum, was on this programme a few weeks ago talking about the amount of people who applied for the bus tickets, got them, and are not choosing them. I mean, there has to be some, well, there has to be some kind of rule brought yeah. in. If you don't lose them for a four-week period or a six-week period, they go back into the pot, and the person who's driving behind the bus to school, their child can have it. And we didn't have this problem the year before last. And that's why I'm saying the minister made a decision without thinking out the full consequences of that decision. And when you give something free, it's great. Everybody thinks it's great, but... Basically, people uh, took up the offer of the tickets because they were free. Whether they use them or not, they're entitled to get the tickets because that's what the minister did. And uh, saying, well, they should be giving them back. I think that the minister needs to clearly set out what she's doing this year. I hope she's learned from the mistakes of last year so that they will not be repeated. And I've been talking to people uh, who have been running the services. They say if they know in time, they will manage it. But if they don't get a clear indication in February, they will be uh, again scrambling to try and deal with whatever the minister decides should be done this year coming. Um, Giving back tickets, it's a great idea you say, oh, if you're not using your ticket, give it back. If you get something for for nothing, you're not going to give it back in case you might need it. And that is part of the change that the minister made last year, which created mayhem. Absolute mayhem. But I mean, the situation is the minister controls the budget and you've outlined all of that. Yeah. We've got a national bus company, which is Bus Aaron, and we've got yeah. the NTA, and we've got parents following buses from Uchtarard all the way into Galway City every morning, and vice vice versa when they have to collect them in the evening and bring them from Taylor's Hill out to Uchtarard again because they can't get the bus ticket. But if the NTA are, are true to their word and they want to get people off the road, and they then need to take control of the bus services, make sure there's adequate bus services there so that Johnny or Mary can get on in uh, Uchtarard, get off in Taylor's Hill, get on in Taylor's Hill, get off in Uchtarard, and that saves an awful lot of money to people's pockets. Absolutely, no, it saves an awful lot of stress. I know parents who were trying to juggle uh, getting to work and bringing their children to school and how could they manage it. Uh, uh, all of a sudden they were left in September with what they thought they were, their bus tickets would arrive. They never arrived. And some of them are still without the bus tickets and they're, they're now trying to cope with getting their children to school, trying to get to work themselves, running around the place in cars. You're right. I don't care who puts it, who puts the plan, who implements the plan, as long as there's a clear 
um, well thought out plan so that we can actually get people to school. I would also make the argument that our school buses should be used during the day for other purposes <coughs> rather than they they being parked up until, uh, in the middle of the day when they could be used for, for other services as well, especially okay. in rural areas. So all of that can be looked at. But unless okay. we have clear direction okay. from the Minister, we're going no place. All right. Thank you uh, for joining us uh, today. Deputy Sean Canny joining us there. Before I take a short commercial break, Morning Key, there was a poll to see on uh, social media last week. Uh, from Athenwide Doctor Surgery Primary Care that in the month of January they had 157 people who didn't attend for appointments and never cancelled them, giving other patients the opportunity to have the appointment. This surgery is so busy, Keith, you can wait at least two weeks if you wish to see a particular doctor. Uh, this non-attendance is a disgrace. Whether you're a medical card holder or a paying patient, a phone call or an email takes a few minutes. It's common courtesy to cancel or reschedule an appointment. Uh, especially when you uh, get a text message reminder the day before your appointment. If this 157 non-attendance in one surgery, it makes you wonder if this is a regular occurrence in other surgeries. And it's a total disgrace, this caller said. An absolute total disgrace. I think that's shocking altogether. Uh, Keith, um, uh, Keith, it was absolutely disgraceful what was going on outside A&E in the early hours of Saturday morning. Three guardies standing at the door trying to keep all of the people out. And uh, the scholar said it was absolutely wrong that people were trying to get in there. Okay, quick commercial break. We're back after these. 10.38, it's a Monday. We're with you right through until 12 midday. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning to you. Welcome on into today's programme. Well, Doris urges Galway politicians to avoid adopting the language of the far right. Refugee and migrant uh, rights organisation Doris is today calling on Galway politicians, commentators, that's me, and others with influence to avoid the use of language that sends negative messages about asylum seekers and refugees. In recent days, Doris has seen a number of politicians use terms like illegal that call into question the right of somebody uh, of some people to seek international protection or asylum. And I'm joined on the line by John Lennon, who's the CEO of Doris. But, John, are they not legally entitled to this process? Um, good morning. And, yes, so anybody who arrives at the borders of the state or is in the country already, either lawfully or unlawfully, as the, the International Protection Act says, can apply for, for international protection. Now, we know that since um, early last year when the war broke out in Ukraine on the 24th of February, that tens of thousands of people had to come here seeking protection from, from that country. We know that there was a, a significant increase in the numbers um, coming from other countries as well, seeking international protection. And we have challenges in relation to providing accommodation. We have um, a need for, for better resourcing of the International Protection Office to, to um, ensure that all the applications are tr um, treated fairly and speedily. But attempting to, or, or, or suggesting that, that people are not um, legally entitled to seek protection or um, trying to curtail or restrict the numbers that are coming here, we feel is is the wrong approach to, to take. And and what's worrying about it is that if when 
politicians use terms like illegal or coming here under false pretenses or referring to protection applicants as economic migrants, then there's that that can um, play into the um, agenda of the, the far right who are, um, as we know, um, either organizing or hijacking a lot of um, protests around the country now. John, I don't agree with what they're doing at all, at all, at all, and so so be it. But and, and I'll come back to them in a moment. Um, but should some of the people that are coming into the country know that they could be intense before they come in, and and then again, I, I don't know—is that anecdotal evidence or otherwise? That I mean, to get on a flight wherever you are in the world, you have to have a passport and a boarding pass. But then some people, and again, I haven't seen it physically myself, arrive into the country, uh, into Dublin Airport. And they don't have a boarding pass and they don't have a passport. They're disposed of in the plane coming over and or for whatever reason. So does that not send alarm bells mm. going or am I wrong there? We we don't know how many um, people are actually doing this. And again, this is part of the um, worrying trends in relation to the messaging from, from government because it may be that some people are doing that, but we know that from through our work in Doris that there, there are many people who need to seek international protection who don't have um, passports or, or, or don't have travel documents. So um, victims of trafficking, for example, there, there are people whose documents have been lost or, or stolen maybe by smugglers. Um, that there are people who just can't get passports from the regime that they're trying to to escape from. And and also, you know, there there is a because of past experiences, there there's often a um, reluctance or a fear of engagement with officials um, of of the state. So that there are a whole variety of reasons why people might not be able to present a passport or other valid documentation. But but again it's really important that we recognise that that does not preclude them or stop them from or should no, not stop them no. from making an application for asylum here. But going back to the far left then and the, the your statement says Doris urges Galway politicians to avoid adopting the language of the far right, far, sorry far right not far left, uh, far right but some of the far right that we're talking about are, are going as far as incitement to hatred uh, in, at, some, at some of the events that they're holding. Now maybe absolutely maybe, maybe yeah. they're being and enticed or maybe they're being taken over by a handful of people that shout louder. Absolutely, and I'm not suggesting that um, our our um, politicians um, who are in government or in the opposition parties or or, or independents are, are are doing that. Um, I'd also think it's it's important that um, communities do get information that they um, are. Um, consulted in terms of the services and and what's needed to ensure that they can welcome and integrate refugees. I think there has been a, a phenomenally positive um, response across the country over the last year to people from Ukraine, and indeed the welcome for refugees has has been um, very evident over many decades here in Ireland. So um, the the danger is that by um, using language um, that suggests um, people don't have a right to come here, that it's playing into the appalling um, 
an, an unsavoury um, actions that we see outside some of the accommodation centres. Um, and indeed, we also know that while communities um, have um, or may have concerns in, in many cases about additional people coming into the community, very often the those concerns are, are hijacked or protests are orchestrated by people from outside of the, the community. So mm. again, you know, this is something the government needs to, to work towards as well. We really need to ensure that community engagement is is resourced and, and that the, um, the the support that local communities need is provided. Leaving aside those seeking asylum, but I mean, is the law strong enough for those who have... Um who crossed the line legally, um, is, is the law strong enough to to apprehend them and deal with them appropriately? Well, it's encouraging that and it's it's positive that we have hate crime legislation that's that's going through now and will come into effect and we want to see that that will be um is 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 available and can be implemented um, by by the Gardaí. Um, even as the the moment we have seen that there there are um, breaches of um, other areas of the law, like we we've seen some um, one individual who um, was was arrested as as a result of um, public order um, under the Public Orders Act, because you know. The, the manner in which um, people are being sort of gathered and, and are being encouraged to act violently, I would say, and, and it's, you know, the verbal aggression outside centres is um, sh- shouldn't be tolerated. And we do have concerns that um, this could turn to, to physical violence. And we do know from talking to people in some of the accommodation centres where there were um, orchestrated groups outside screaming at them that they, they did fear um, for, for their well-being and for their lives. Um, you know, bearing in mind that many of the people in those centres have already been traumatised by their experiences and have had to escape from regimes and from situations where um, their their lives were in danger. Well, you see, this goes back to another conversation that we had in the past. I mean, I, I think the next, we've we've had so many scandals in this country and look at, we're not alone in it, uh, but the mother and baby um, home has been a scandal that's, that hasn't come right just yet. But I do think the direct provision system going on for 10, 15 years at this stage in this country is going to be the next big scandal, so it is. So there's no point in people shouting about stuff when these people have to put up with them. Like, it hurts me to walk the promenade in Salt Hill and to see a direct provision centre perfectly run and all that, but all their clothes and school books and everything uh, up on the bedroom window, nearly blocking the light coming in. No, in, in indeed, like, and... Again, this um, myth that there, there's so, something kind of luxurious about staying in a hotel or staying in a in a centre where your meals are are provided it couldn't be further from the truth because we've we've had people languishing in in direct provision centres all over the country for for years. We've had children spending their formative years cramped in um, small rooms, unable to do their homework, unable to 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 play. Even you know we we've had people who couldn't not access education or couldn't access employment, we still have situation where people um, who come here seeking protection cannot get um, labour market access permit until they're several months in the country. So I think we, we have um, 
Yeah, we introduced direct provision in, in the year 2000, or the government of the day did as a temporary measure for, for six months. And 23 years later, we still have it. The situation is getting worse. There is no proper oversight of the standards in the um, in, in the accommodation centres. And we're now in a situation where rather than um, taking a strategic and longer term view of the accommodation, the reception and the accommodation conditions for um, protection applicants, we have an over-reliance in the hospitality sector. So that too is, is um, you know, is, is, not, is not appropriate because whether it's a homeless Irish family or it's a refugee family living in a hotel environment for month after month after month in a small cramped room is, is really not yeah. um, the, 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 the best place or the right place to be. It's not good. Listen, keep up the good work, uh, John Lennon. I think I hope that we've just stimulated some thought processes right across the county and the city today. But uh, let's let's keep talking about it and let the politicians keep thinking about it as well. And let's just watch. Absolutely. Let's just watch yeah. our language. That's the bottom line on this one. So it is. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, today yeah. on the program, yeah. John. Uh, thank you. Mind yourself. Thank you indeed, John Lennon. There, CEO of Doris, uh, joining us. I love Doris the door, as in the door to. Happiness for so many people, but uh, it ain't easy for a lot of people out there uh, today. I am going to head towards news, and I'm going to take a short bit of music to get me there, and we're back in the next hour. We've got a, an update on sport, but I've decided to lighten the mood on this Sunday, on this Monday morning. Sunday, says I, on this Monday morning. Can you guess it now? You can. You have three seconds. In association with Tesco, find our award-winning Irish ranges in-store and online at tesco.ie.